tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boostbytaxday to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC. This is the Kane's Corner Podcast with Adam Gold. Don't forget that you can download or subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes or Google Play stores or listen to WRALsportsfan.com and on our WRAL Sports Fan app. Now, here's your Kane's Corner Podcast host, Adam Gold. It's another edition of the Kane's Corner Podcast, the post-almost-apocalyptic road trip edition. John Forslund. Play-by-play voice of your Carolina Hurricanes joins me. Well, it wasn't a great road trip, but it wasn't disastrous uh, thanks to the first period. And, and I'll tack on the uh, the almost two minutes of the second period, first two minutes of the second period, because uh, that's essentially where Carolina won the game. Uh, so I, I, it could have been worse. Is that is that good enough? <laughs> we, we, we won't know until you see the next six games at home and right. see how many points they can they can pick up, you know, based on uh, on this this segment. But when you look at the road trip, it, when it ends with a win, uh, it always feels better than it actually was. It ends with a loss; it feels worse than it actually was. You have to kind of connect all of it together. Go back to the very beginning of the trip and and look at the the first few minutes in Arizona, which were not bad, and then five minutes of this god awful play that led to a you know, three nothing deficit, and then the dig out. Right, and it, it's it's too bad that you know they they get a point, and I think that was uh, um, kind of a good thing at that juncture. And then you get to Vegas, and that was a game that wasn't very good. Right, and, uh, the game that Rod Brindamore didn't like the most. You go to St. Louis, and that's a mixed bag for me. I mean, I I, I think the, that the coaching staff was trying to just keep a positive vibe going into Chicago, and they did a good job with that. They kind of recaptured their energy. Uh, the travel was significant. Maybe they stayed a little bit too long in Vegas. I'm not 100% <laughs> sure on that one. Um, you know, that that's up for grabs. But then they, they were able to restore it with a, with a very good effort, although Chicago had a mighty push. Yeah. And there were times it looked like the, the collapse might be in order. So I, I think it's a, a kind of a mixed review. From a point standpoint, Adam, there's no question it's below standard. So right. I thought four to five points, what was needed to kind of get back into the, the mix and keep up with the other teams in their division and conference. Um, they're okay, but it, but they're going to have to make uh, make a very uh, very good ground up here on this six-game homestand. Yeah, we'll talk about what, uh, what might be expected just to get them back in it because when the homestand mm-hmm. ends, Thanksgiving is over, and we all know what the reality is. Where you are around that time is essentially what you are uh, right. and will be beyond the quarter pole of the season. Uh, heck, we're uh, we're at 20% of the year as we sit here uh, right now. For me, the positives from the four-game swing uh, was the fact that uh, it looked like Lucas Walmark and his line really discovered something. I, I, I thought they were maybe their best line for the entire trip. 
Uh, and I also, I've been kind of paying attention uh, a lot to the way Falk and DeHaan have played, and I thought it was noticeable that Rod Brindamore left that pairing alone uh, when he flipped around his blue line uh, combinations for the game in Chicago. Because I think Falk and DeHaan are playing really, really well. And I know Tripp was talking about the practice in Vegas, uh, but I think Justin has really been uh, very solid defensively. I think he has. And and that's that's been good because you know inconsistency has been something that's marked his game over the last couple of seasons. I think DeHaan is the type of defenseman that can that can settle any, anybody down and let Justin kind of play his game. If he wants to roam a little bit, that's okay. Uh, but I think Falk has been very good in terms of his gap control. He's been good in the defensive zone in terms of um, how he's been able to defend on players, not allow guys uh, a little more room than they should get. So that's been good to see in the tight areas. He's been strong. Uh, and DeHaan is improving each, with each and every step. And obviously as the first star in Chicago, that's his best game as a hurricane. He scores the goal and all of that. But uh, I think it was an adjustment for him to a new team. I think this is a guy who only played just over 30 games last right. year because of the shoulder injury. Long way back from that. The coaching staff has had some meetings with him to kind of get inside his head to see, you know, if he understands if there's a, there's more to give. And that happened a little bit at the at the beginning of the road trip, at the end of the last homestand. So he kind of went out west, maybe a little bit indifferent in terms of where his play was at, but it really rounded into shape on the on the road trip. And um, he has the ability to be a top four guy. He also has the ability to shut down top players. Mm-hmm. It gives the coaches a lot of options that way. Um, and I like the fact that within the Chicago game, and who knows how long it, it will last, but Flavin and Pesci belong together. Yes. I've always felt that. <laughs> and that gives the Hurricanes the best defensive option you can have as a tandem. And yeah. it really showed up. I hope that continues because Brett Pesci, Pesci has also been a hidden story throughout the season, yep. playing a 5-6 capacity. Uh, he's been very solid. Yeah, and the thing is, is that you you like an offensive and defensive uh, option on the blue line and in, in, in within each pair. Uh, but the more you watch Slavin, the more you realize while he doesn't have the big shot from the point, he is an offensive option. He does. He makes great offensive plays. Uh, mm-hmm. And then the instincts on the power play uh, to to get to the net, and we'll talk about that element in a second. I mean, he's got that end. So why can't he be a top guy with offense as well? Well, he can be. He's the total package. And he has the ability to be the best defenseman in the league someday. I, I truly believe that. So uh, for him, it's just a matter of adapting to the, the responsibility and maybe the burden of being a top guy all the time. Uh, but those players understand that and are good enough to deliver that on a regular basis. And that's kind of where Slavin is right now. He's just figuring out what it's what it means to be consistently great not just consistently good and that's hard to do and that's a lot to ask Mm -hmm. but i I think it's starting to come to fruition it also allows the hurricanes adam a chance to allow dougie hamilton to be a wild card right and i think he's better and i call him a wild card defenseman because he can jump around and he's a high high level offensive guy he's their best offensive defenseman and i think he too is adjusting to a new team I think maybe the, the, the one-two with Slavin is too much at times for him defensively. Mm-hmm. This, this relaxes his game, but also gives the coaches a chance to interject Hamilton into a top-end situation if they have to, or relax his minutes, make sure he's replenished for the power play, make sure he's always good at making the right decisions with the puck, 
that's where he excels. But in other areas, defensively, you know, there are other options that might be better right now. And, um, you know, his, his puck management in the defensive zone at times during the road trip wasn't very good. He took some penalties that were not very good at the, at the, at the time. He took those penalties. So those are warts in his game that have, that have happened in Calgary and Boston and so on. But that he's a high-risk player. But yeah. allowing a high-risk guy to wild-card it around the group of six is a, probably a good thing for the Canes right now because the, if they can continue with Slavin and Pesci, that's stability. Dehan and Falk can be very stable. So you're looking pretty good no matter who you jump in there, whether it's Van Riemsdyk or Fleury, whoever. Um, again, we're talking about a very strong group of six, which we thought the Hurricanes had right. at the start of the season. Well, it's funny because uh, I was doing—I did a radio interview about the Hurricanes today, and we're recording this on Friday before the homestand begins with the Red Wings on Saturday night. Uh, and they asked me, well, what will help this team in terms of goal scoring or whatever? I'm like, I'm still waiting. This team was supposed to be built from the blue line out. That was supposed to be the driving force. And we haven't necessarily seen it. We haven't seen the offense from Hamilton uh, be an impact element of this team. And Justin Falk hasn't had the offensive impact uh, on this team yet. That will hopefully, I mean, I guess there's no guarantee it will come. Uh, but if that comes, it will make everything a lot easier. And by the way, feel free to use this anytime in the broadcast. Slavin and Pesci are the best pair of jeans you've ever had. <laughs> best pair of jeans you ever, ever had. I like it. They like just it. fit in all the right places. Um, yep. Sebastian Ajo's was in kind of a lull, I thought, <laughs> until maybe it was just the pass. But I thought he played a good game last night. But the pass to Dahan uh, early in the second period was jump out of your seat great. That was world class. And that's just the response, you know. And, and great players respond to their own um negative negative vibe that might jump into their game. And so he, he had a three-game period where he was very sleepy, very quiet after that great, you know, record-setting point streak and all of that. And and and, and well, the problem is with Ajo, he, he, he's, he's the straw. So if he's in a rut, Teravainen's in a rut. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> that thing, the, the one doesn't pick up the other. Uh, Teravainen is not going to pick up Ajo. It, right. it works the other way around. So you kind of then get two guys into a little bit of a funk. Um, and, you know, and then Furland, you know, had his had his good moments and had mm. moments too where, uh, like last night, it wasn't going down his road. I'm not sure if he was ill. It was said after the game in Chicago that he wasn't feeling great. Right. So they they basically sat him for a long period of time. Yeah, so, he benched him in the um, third period. Right. So that that's going to happen. But as we talked about before the Chicago game, you know, uh, your your top guys have to feel the pressure and have to respond to the pressure when things aren't going right. Um, great to see Andre Svechnikov score that first goal. Uh-huh. Great to see him improve now every game. And, and, and it's slow, steady progress, but you can really see where it's headed for him. But, you know, the road is long for Svechnikov, and, and it has to be a short road for the star guys, for the top guys, to, to get a team back on track. And Naho was part of that last night, which was, which was great to see. And um, it was a terrific pass. It was at the at, at the right time, and it was just world class all the way around. But you know, he, he's going to be okay. There's no there's no doubt about that. Uh, and as we move forward, they'll 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 move on with his uh, with the business side of things. I don't know where any of that sits. Right. And uh, I think those are issues too that uh, are going to need to be looked after sooner than later. We we uh, when we had you on the show earlier this week. Um, 
uh, we we got your feelings on the advanced metrics <laughs> uh, in the sport, and I'm I am way more with you lockstep than I am uh, against you. I think there's some there's there's a value to it. At least it explains certain things. Um, yeah. But the the Hurricanes had not been getting rebound opportunities to put it in basketball terms for our fans. Uh, offensive rebounding had been a problem. It was not a problem last night. Uh, and the first two goals both came off of offensive rebounds. Svechnikov, with I thought it was a rip, a cool sign just to see him uh, out muscle Chicago in front of the net and score, sweep it behind Corey Crawford going down from the ice. Uh, and then Slavin comes down the slot after Justin Williams makes a great uh, move in front and uh, tries to stuff it through Crawford, but the puck's still laying there. And Slavin came down and got it. That's where this team is going to have to score goals. Well, the one thing about the metrics and, and those numbers that I do agree with is the fact that it does give us information. And I, I think over the years, the problem with hockey and the reason why there hasn't been more of a widely accepted feel among fans, you know, sports fans in general for hockey, is because unlike some of the other sports, there haven't been a lot of measurements. Right. There's just been a lot of feel. All the teams playing great. Well, what does that mean? You know what I mean? And, and if people don't understand hockey, they, they won't get what that means. So my point is, on the play that you're talking about, the first goal, you know, that gets to a lot of the things that, uh, again, will be looked at in terms of uh, uh, metrics and turnovers and, and, and the attack time and all those things. It's a great forecheck. You know, Svechnikov's yeah. in first. So he's in first and he's pressuring below the goal line. You know, with first-man pressure, body contact. He separates the, the, the guy with the puck from the puck and comes up with it. Walmart goes to the boards where he's supposed to go to kind of seal that area. And Martinuk in kind of a triangle is in the slot. So these three guys are perfectly positioned. And if they're not, nothing happens probably. So if the first guy doesn't get there and make the hit, you don't have the turnover. Then it doesn't kick to the outside. And Walmart's in a good position to be where the puck is likely to go. So he cuts off the pass. Right away he gets it to Martinuk. And then Svechnikov goes right to the net. And so they do everything right. That's a meat and potatoes, great hockey play yeah. that kind of looks like a scramble. And, um, but it's designed to work that way. So those, those, those guys, and we didn't really touch on in the previous uh, couple of questions, the Walmart line is emerging now. Oh, it's yeah. a very solid line. And Lucas is getting points, which is good to see. Martinuk is the glue that holds it all together. So that was great. And then the power play goal with Slavin, is, uh, again, Walmart. I mean, yeah. Walmart initiates that play. Yep. It's great to see him on that unit, right? And uh, and Williams going to the net and Slavin following it up. So lots of great things intangible-wise, which kind of are tied to some of those numbers. Yeah, I mean, I wrote about it last night in the uh, kind of the recap of what I saw. Uh, and, uh, look, I thought Walmart really the last four or five games has really been emerging as a player, and we see him getting more power play time. He has essentially replaced Valentin Zikoff on the power play, which is fine. Uh, he's a better player than Zikoff is. Uh, but and, and both plays, I mean, he makes the pass. The pass to Williams below the line, and then Justin with the decision to come out and try to make the play offensively rather than look for a pass. Sometimes I think this team, and it also speaks to uh, one mistake Michael Furlan made uh, last night, sometimes this team looks too much to make that extra pass rather right. than, I mean, Rather than take the shot, and Justin, and they take plenty of shots, Justin came out, circled around in front of Crawford, and that started the, well, didn't start it, but it continued the play on. 
Uh, Furlan came down. It could have been four on one, I guess. I don't know why he didn't shoot it. But as it turned out, it was the mistake because Chicago went the other way and it ended up uh, behind Darling, although it certainly wasn't uh, the fault of Scott Darling there. We'll talk about Scott in a minute. But, look, Walmart's been playing much better. We took a call yesterday uh, in our Ask Away segment um, where somebody they said, well, shouldn't Svechnikov be playing with better players? Um, And I said, if you've watched lately, he's playing with a very good player right now. And I don't think it's a coincidence that Svechnikov's game is getting better as Walmart's is getting better. You know, you're absolutely right. And and this is where you have to, and even in my capacity, I, you have to listen to Rod. And, and when he tells you something, he's probably seeing something based on his experience, the level of the hockey mind that he is, that we don't see. So when Lucas Walmart five games ago still isn't producing, you know, I had a conversation with him about Lucas Walmart, and right. his his eyes just lit up and said, that guy has been great. And that's when he had one scoring point in right. about 12 games. And it's all about smarts, and it's all about, you know, what he's doing on the ice and not putting the team in a position to be hurt. And if, if one of the best two-way centers to ever play says that about a young kid, then you got to put a little credence in it and listen to him. And he has faith. That, that Walmart will continue to go on this uh, path, which will be good for Svechnikov. Andre Svechnikov's in the perfect spot. Um, this is working out the way it's supposed to work out. You know, there's, there's a couple ways to look at this. You know, there's so much uh, ballyhooed uh, expectation for this player as a second overall pick, marketing during the summer, right. you know, all kinds of things that are kind of uh, unfair to the player. But you have to accept it. You can't fault the team for doing it. It creates energy within the market. And then everyone's expecting this rookie of the year to just jump out at you. <laughs> Sometimes that happens. You know, that's going on with Elias Pettersson in Vancouver right, right now. He's a 17 draft. We're talking about an 18 draft, 18-year-old player right. and uh, who needed to uh, learn a lot about the game here. And that was addressed in training camp. And they recognized the fact that this guy's dominant at the other levels, the lower levels, and he's come to the NHL and he has a lot to learn. So don't put him in a spot where he'll either get overwhelmed or have success. You know, you could play him with great players right now. If they were desperate and needed to put him with Ajo and Karavainen, he would probably start producing points. Right. But would he forget what, it, what it's going to mean for him to be a better player long-term by having those short-term results and have every, all the attention paid to him, and then he's getting the points? It could be false. Uh, what's happening here is he's becoming a better fundamental player, He's now becoming impactful, scoring big goals like he did last night, um, and he'll get there. So later in the season, it will likely happen. And if it later in the season he's playing with Sebastian Ajo and maybe Tara Vine, and, and that's your top line, he's more well-equipped to handle everything that comes with it, which is going up against top-end defenders right. every single game and not being overwhelmed and not losing your confidence and not just completely coming off the tracks. You know, those are the things that they're, they're worried about. So uh, if you look at the trend over the last five games, his ice time has increased with yeah. every game, and um, that means the trust is there. And that, that's a good thing. So the trust is there with the coaching staff to put him on the ice, and, and he's delivering. I, I think it's going along just fine. You know, it would be nice if he was the top rookie scorer and uh you know we have more billboards all over town and all this but th- this will be okay this guy's a power player yes he's got a long career and it's just uh, just beginning 
you know, uh, he also made a really good defensive play on uh, Patrick Kane to, to negate a scoring opportunity and probably yeah. a goal uh, last right. night. That those are the things. I'll bet you, uh, Brenda Moore was more uh, more excited about that than he was about the goal. And the goal, obviously, not only was it important, uh, but it showed it showed uncommon strength for an eighteen year old. Uh, I was thinking and he about he might not make that play three weeks ago. Right. No, that's, I agree. That's the other point. I agree. Here's something I've been kind of thinking about, and I I know uh, we have too much time on our hands, and I'm meaning me, meaning me. uh, And I I think about line combinations and what might be better. Uh, Justin Williams is no question a great player. I'm is he is he really suited to be on what amounts to being a checking line? with Stahl and Fogel there, or would Justin be better suited to be on more of an offensive line? Um, with So I was thinking when Victor Rask came back, would a Svechnikov-Rask-Williams combination not be something that could be... Because Justin's going to have his defensive responsibilities anyway. It just sometimes right. it, Justin almost looks like he's out of water on, uh, on in that in that combination. Yeah, I don't think that's a reach. I think that's um, that's good forecasting by you. I think that's something that you can you can think about, and at some point, for them to take the next step to become a a better team, they're going to have to increase and enhance the um, support scoring. So he's a guy that that can do that. Yeah. Um, I think he's doing all the right things to be the, a captain. He's trying to be a leader by example. He's trying to fit a role that Rod has him in right now. Um, he plays well with Stahl. Um, I, I think if they had uh, uh, possibly Svechnikov with those two, it uh, might be different. Right. Um, I, I think Warren has played a little bit over his head at the start, um, has leleled off, is getting better, is, yeah. is kind of fighting through that personal battle, which, which is great for a young player. He belongs in the National Hockey League, Fogel does, but probably, you know, down the ladder a little bit. A little bit. Um, so he's probably an, uh, the next Jordan Marknook. I mean, he, he's probably going to yeah. be that. Uh, we, at the beginning of the season, were thinking a little bit like Eric Cole. Uh, the truth's in the middle somewhere. We'll see where it goes. He's also right. a player that probably improved more moving forward. But your question is about Williams. And Williams with Rask and, and Svechnikov has, has, some, has some zing to it. Uh, you know, because I think, you know, Svechnikov again, would uh, continue the the improvement to be able to play with players like that because the defensive matchups they will see. Um, Victor's key for him will be foot speed. Yeah. Uh, Williams at this stage of his career, he's never been a fast guy. Right. That's that's kind of a concern. So you worry about that. But right now they have Stall and Williams together. That's not a speedy duo. No. So um, I think there is a little bit more for Justin uh, goal scoring wise. But I do understand, too, that he's 37. And at some point, you know, there'll be a little attrition in terms of the numbers. But they're getting full value of the leadership. They're getting, uh, you know, the, this is a guy that uh, in Chicago, that's my understanding, kind of rallied the team again for, for like a team lunch. Right. To get together. They utilized their time together. It wasn't, you know, because they were given the day off, uh, 23 guys going in 23 directions. They were all together. That's all Williams. That's as important as scoring a big goal on the power play for this group. So um, we'll see where it goes. But I think that does that. That's an interesting uh, 
uh, thing to speculate about. I, I, I think that could happen. And yeah. I also think that at some point, Martin uh, Martin Natures is going to come back, uh, and maybe it coincides mm-hmm. with the return of Victor Rask, uh, and it gives them the freedom to put Natures on the wing uh, yeah. and add a little bit more offensive zip to the group. I want to ask you about Clark Bishop. Before last night, the last time we saw Bishop was in the game at Detroit, uh, and I thought that Bishop's uh, skating ability um, led to a, I thought, a very good game, albeit yeah. obviously in a limited role. And then he was sent down. I always, always wondered if it was a planned thing regardless. Uh, Nick Waugh had some flashes of good, uh, but he's not as good a skater as Clark Bishop, and I think Bishop is ideally suited to be a fourth-line center, at least at this stage of his career. I liked what he did last night, except from the penalty, uh, but I liked what he did last night. Yeah, I, I think he's right now the best prototypical fourth-line center they could have. And, you know, I, I, I think what happened at the end of training camp, first thing about Bishop is that it, throughout camp, throughout his exhibition games, and every practice that I saw, I didn't see him do anything wrong. So that's that's a great thing. So you're kind of sending down a guy with the old numbers speech. There just isn't room yet. Right. And that's where it was. I, I think the coach was kind of set on a right-handed option. You know, Rod wanted a right-handed face-off option on the team and the slot into the fourth line. Right. He was concerned about that. And I think they the first recall was Bishop, and it was good. And I don't think it was deserved to go back down, but I think they wanted to try out Nick Waugh because he was very close to where Bishop was at yeah. the end of camp, and that gave him a right-handed option. And you're right. Bishop's a better skater. Looks like his game is further ahead than Waz is right now. So Waz can go down and continue to improve. And Bishop gives them the opportunity to put together a fourth line that makes sense. And if that's the beginning, and I talked to Rod during our pregame show last night about building from the bottom up with the forwards. You know, you can go top down. But if you go top down, as he did in St. Louis, you end up you end up playing three lines. Yeah. And you end up with a two-thirds of a fourth line, and you're trying to spot McGinn around your order because he deserves to play more. It's just disjointed. And then you've got Zekoff, who gives you a power play option, but how can you use a guy in a power play that's playing five minutes? Right. He's not even feeling the game. He's sitting there. He's cold. You throw him out. He's in high-pressure situations now, and he's got to make a play. That's unfair to him. So by putting DiGiuseppe and McGinn as bookends for Bishop, you know, hopefully that Chicago game is kind of a kickstart as to what could be a great fourth line, and that'll help everybody else. They will go as as well as their fourth line goes. Um, I, I really believe if they can get a fourth line that can be impactful and produce, and Phil DiGiuseppe, I still believe, I can score goals in the <laughs> National Hockey League because he can finish plays like he did last night, and McGinn can do the same thing. McGinn had 16 goals last year. Yeah. Um, so – they got it. I hope it continues because that'll make everybody else better. So if you have a if you have your foundation, you have a nice house, and if it's it's strong and it, and it, and it gives you a lot of uh, a lot of energy, then you know good. And I think that's something that came came around in the Chicago game. That's a hidden story, and hopefully that's a, a sign of good things to come. Yeah, if I, maybe Phil just needs to be sent down every year oh, to, to get him uh, to get. <laughs> to get him going uh hopefully that won't be the case but yeah he did uh i thought he played well last night and then uh i personally think mcginn deserves to play further up in the lineup 
Um, and I think we're going to see maybe a little bit more of that with he and Fogle kind of uh, flipping back and forth. Um, all right, two more things before I let John Forslund go here on the Canes Corner podcast. Uh, goaltending. Uh, Peter Morazic was okay. Then he tweaked something in the, uh, the, the I guess, ultimately the game-winning goal in overtime uh, in Arizona. Uh, I think didn't think Curtis McElhinney was bad, but I didn't think he was great um, when uh, when he started, I guess, in St. Louis. Darling, other than the goal that he allowed in the uh, the I guess the early in the was a third period the four yeah. three goal. Uh, oh, Scott was very good last night. Made a lot of big saves, and for the most part, uh, stayed positionally good, which isn't always the case with Scott. I'd love to. I'd love to think that that's going to translate and carry over. But I thought he was very good last night. Yeah, I thought his rebound control is the best maybe we've seen. Okay, yeah. including last year um directing pucks in the first period quality chances off the blocker i think twice right to the corner right uh not punching that blocker out into the slot right and creating more chaos uh pad control with saves there's four clean looks chicago had in the first period one right after each other and it was you know early and often and he he was he was good and continued that way throughout the game no issue there uh he didn't i'm sure he didn't like the schmaltz goal short right. side I think he had a pretty good look at it, um, you know. But so that that happens all the time. Uh, so for him, let's just let's just uh, take a, a relaxed pill and hope that it's uh, the beginning. That's all you can say. Uh, goaltending's still an issue. Yeah. I mean, it's still a, it's still an issue for the team. I mean, this is not a bed of roses, and um, and this is a big situation. As Rod said yesterday, you know, it is the most important position on the ice. It has to be good. It has to be solid. The team has to have confidence. Right. Scott's got a long way to go. He's got a long way to go to prove that. I think he's got to prove it to his teammates. That's very important. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Mermazic's uh, not an issue right now because it's the injury. And yeah. um, who knows where that is. And, uh, and, and Curtis McElhaney's Curtis McElhaney. Right. And it's, it's good that they still have him around um, because, uh, you know, it gives them an insurance policy right. and, and a pretty good one. But, He's only going to be a stopgap. Right. But this is about Scott Darling again. This this really is, <laughs> and uh, this homestand is all about him, I believe. Yeah, it it is. So, so let's get to that, and we'll uh, we'll close. And by the way, I mean the best thing about Curtis McElhinney being here is that you don't uh, feel the need to go down and call up Alex Nedeljkovich, who is playing right. very well in Charlotte, and you'd like to see that continue to develop and maybe even take it up one more step. So if you have to go down and get him. Uh, then he'll have that confidence that he is dominating at that level. Uh, he has been very good, however, that entire team <laughs> has been very good, and it probably should be. Um, right. Six games on this homestand. Uh, this is a manageable homestand in terms of uh, there don't seem to be any elite-level teams coming into PNC Arena, and I'm everybody's good. This is I'm not saying that these, these are easy marks. Um, but there's, I don't believe there's Toronto's or, uh, Pittsburgh's coming in or Washington's coming in. Uh, I mean, is 10 points too much to ask? Uh, probably. I think Toronto's in the mix here, oh, right? Are they? I think if, they might be. Yeah, I, I think they are. I, I would, uh, that, so, so let's see. So when you look at, when you look at the homestand, you know, it starts with, uh, you know, a beatable team without question. Okay, so you've got Detroit. So you got your your beatable two there. Chicago's another must 
have. Right. Um, that's a very porous defensive team. I don't care what kind of goaltending either Ward or Crawford can give yes. them is likely to be Ward Monday. So there's there's four. Then you move on to Columbus. You know, so that's a that's a divisional right. tough game. Uh, yeah, I guess it, it does get harder. Columbus, New Jersey, Toronto. Yeah, Columbus, and then Florida, right? Right. So, so but it, I would say eight points, ten would be outstanding. I mean, ten they would be in a in a, in a great spot. But it, it, it's one of those home stands that I always fear. They're they're too long. Um, yeah, six games is too long to be at home. Uh, this is the way it happens here all the time, though. For whatever reason, it's that pocket in November where. Uh, they have to jam in some home dates because of the conflicts they have, you know, moving into the Wolfpack season and all that. Mm-hmm. So this 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 has to happen. But uh, they don't. The Hurricanes don't have a choice here, other than to really make good on on this the segment of games because of uh, the indifference that's crept in over the last eleven games. I'm going to say ten points though. In the last eleven. That's right. That's not good. I'm still so, saying ten points. Yeah. So ten <laughs> points might be. The trick that might be the trick, and and if they do get ten, then we're talking about a team that might be in the playoffs. If right. they get eight or nine, that might be realistic. It might be still a, a scramble to get in. So um, let's hope they can do that. And, and the Toronto game comes at a at a great point because that's at the end of it, and that's your that's your boost of confidence if you can ever have a great game against that team. So that's the best team that they're going to see of the six. Then you've got your New Jersey, Columbus, Florida's, or right. your your direct competition to making the playoffs, and then you've got a couple of easy marks. Yeah, no one's easy, as right. the cliche goes, but the, the, those have to be wins. If you, if you squander either the Detroit right. game or the Chicago game, there's trouble brewing. It, but is it good that there's a gap? I mean, in a long gap. It's almost yeah. like the bye week between uh, between Chicago and Columbus. They play mo- uh, Monday and then Saturday. Yeah, it's so good. I get a trip to Vegas out of the deal. Oh. So I get to go to Vegas for NBC because of that. So that's, that's very a, nice. That's a good thing. But they don't ask me when they when they do the schedule. Trust me, they don't <laughs> uh, put a phone call in and ask me what I'm doing. But anyway, that's uh, uh, that is a big gap, and that almost gives them the opportunity. I think they're going to put in a uh, a team event. I think they're going to take a, a a trip. I think it's down to Fort Bragg. Um, so it gives them a chance right. to break it up. Uh, I remember a few years ago, Tampa Bay had, I believe it was a nine-game homestead. Oy. And uh, and they, they left town in the middle of it. They had like a four- or five-day break, and they went down the coast. They went to Naples or something and, and just got got all the guys together in a hotel and had some team dinners and practices and so on and then went back back home again. So um, you kind of have to eliminate the, the um, situation where a team can become stale. And uh, that break might give them that opportunity to push push further. But it starts where you want to be. It starts by coming off a long road trip against a team you should be in your building. And hopefully they can just continue to gain momentum as the six games go along. What did you do during the off day in Las Vegas? Nothing. Nothing? No, you, honestly, you know what I did? I want to sound like a um, the ultimate professional. But I had, you know, three games and three nights this week right. with pretty significant travel. So I did my my beginning uh, uh, prep for the three games for the right. St. Louis game, um, Colorado, and Nashville, and Chicago. So I just laid out all of that. I got some rest, uh, hung around the hotel, didn't do anything crazy, and um, that was my boring day on Sunday. But Pe- I had to do it. No people I had watching. No sleep. 
I've had no sleep Tuesday to Thursday, basically <laughs> uh, two to two and a half to three right. hours a night. No people watching, no uh, checking out the shops at Caesars, no well, riding. Well, you always the... say, listen, you can't, you can't avoid people watching. <laughs> I mean, that's, and they were looking back at me too. I kind of stand out. <laughs> Hey, is that an Elvis impersonator? No, no. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> uh, thank you very much for the time. I will see you over hey, at the uh, at PNC Arena for uh, the next couple of days. And uh, hopefully this will all continue uh, with what they started at least in the first 22 minutes in Chicago, which were uh, that's the way they want to play. There's no question about it. John Forsen, yep. thank you so much. That's them. Okay, buddy. Thank you. That's this week's Kane's Corner with Adam Gold. Download or subscribe to our podcast every Monday during the Carolina hurricane season in the iTunes or Google Play stores or listen at WRALsportsfan.com and on our WRAL Sports Fan app. And don't forget, for the latest Kane's coverage, log on to WRALsportsfan.com. Every game on the Kane's radio flagship, 99.9 The Fan. So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media. Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. 